The following program is a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program. Mindful of your health. Sponsored by Emergence Health Network. Hi everyone, I'm Noreen Hadamio. Thank you for being with us for another episode of Mindful of Your Health. Uh, this particular episode, we are going to talk about the connection between IDD, which is Intellectual Developmental Disabilities, and the connection to mental health. Uh, so we have our expert with us, or at least one of our experts that we have at EHN. We have Jordan Wynn with us. Thank you Jordan, thank me. you. And what is your official title? I'm the Director of Care Transition. Care Transition for our IDD uh, division. So IDD, uh, let's start with that, and the medical symptoms that you say could look different in an individual with IDD? Yeah, so I the best way to approach um, this topic is to just say the basics of what IDD is. Okay. So as you said, IDD is just an acronym. It stands for Intellectual Developmental Disabilities. Mm -hmm. So what that means is there's an IQ component and then an adaptive functioning component, which is, so you have to have those two things in order to be diagnosed with IDD. Okay. A lot of people don't know. A lot of caregivers are just told, your child was diagnosed with IDD. And then they that's the level of explanation that they get. Okay. Yeah. So not super helpful. So um, IDD, you have an IQ of less than 70, but then you have some pretty severe adaptive functioning. So that means language disorders, sensory um, deficits, issues with memory, social judgment, all that different kind of thing. Okay. So that's the bait. That's years and years and years of study boil down yeah, to just that. that's what we want to start off with to, for that explanation okay perfect yeah and so every diagnosis is different obviously mm -hmm. so there's tons of diagnosis that are under IDD IDD is a huge umbrella and the medical connection to each diagnosis is different just okay. as it's different from you to me or the other people that are in this room or the people watching. Okay. So I like to remind people if you meet someone with autism, you've met one person okay. with autism. Not so, a blanket statement. Yes. So so just because um, if I s mention some connections today, it doesn't mean everyone with autism is at risk. Everyone will okay. experience that. That's not the case. It's just the best place to start so then caregivers know um, a targeted way to go to professionals and where to begin the conversation. Okay, and, and part of the reason that we're having this conversation is so that uh, families with, with individuals with IDD, if they do have a medical concern for their loved one, they know how to have that conversation with their doctor and their physician because yeah. often it goes or misdiagnosed. Yeah, so um, a lot of people are unaware that um, there's not many specialists. There's actually no such thing as a medical professional that specializes in IDD. Okay. There's no such thing. There's general practitioners that might have additional training, okay. but there's no one that goes to school just for that. So when you go to a physician, a doctor, OT, um, even a therapist, a nurse, they might not be aware of specific things or symptoms that are associated with IDD diagnosis because they're trained for general medicine. medicine. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I want to mention something. We're going to get to all these gadgets in just a bit. I know all the fun first, stuff. All the fun <laughs> stuff is coming, so stick with us. But let's mm -hmm. let's go back to what, and I know it's not a blanket statement for everyone, but give us examples of the medical symptoms that might look different for an individual with IDD. Yeah, so 
I do, as you know, I do tons of trainings, mm -hmm. um, tons of case consultations. I've d worked in this field for 13 years, very, very long time. And what I've seen from my experience and my education is that frequently we view medical symptoms from from our lens, from a person who was of ad average intellect, we view what's going on with that other person as a behavior, something okay. that they are meant to stop, something that we need to teach them to correct. For example, let me explain. Okay. For example, it might be um, people with autism statistically, so it's a sensory disorder. So okay. that can be the way things feel on their hands, their clothes, lights, all of those different kinds of things. Got it. So certain foods are very difficult for people with autism to eat so it's because different of the texture yes okay. because that's a sense and so so most people um, on the spectrum enjoy eating foods that are carb based because they're more solid they're solid but still soft those kinds of things so then um, they're picky eaters okay. and so that is seen as a negative behavior so the parent can view it as you're just being picky or if you don't eat, eat your dinner, you're just gonna be hungry then, or your grandma made that for you, you're gonna hurt her feelings. Yes. So when really it's connected to their diagnosis, it's not a choice, okay. if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Okay, um, you went in one of the trainings you have, I read where you talked about um, one of the medical connections, and I, I'm assuming this is what you're talking about, so clarify for me. But like an individual who fidgets a lot and moves around on their seat a lot, what was the medical connection there that might be the case? So that could that be might be the case. That could be a lot of different things. So the training that you're um, referencing is the one we actually we actually had one yesterday. Mm -hmm. About a hundred caregivers came out nice. for that training. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, but so the fatal five, which we're going to get to in a second, mm -hmm. um, are five preventable disorders that people with IDD. Um, actually pass away from. Preventable okay. is the key word. So rocking back and forth, like you're referencing, can be a sign of a few different ones. Severe constipation and bowel obstruction because you're uncomfortable, so you sit sideways. It can be um, a mental thing, so it can be ADHD. It could just be agitation because you're experiencing physical symptoms, like sepsis, for example, you get a high fever, so you don't feel well. Mm -hmm. um, and so you might rock back and forth because that might be a way that they cope. Got a it. lot of people with sensory issues rock back and forth because it simulates a mom rocking you. Uh, it feels nice, it's okay. calming for some people. So it can go into a lot of different things, but the important part is that caregivers miss of what the rocking can be connected to okay. and then it's not brought up when they go to the doctor when they go to the professionals okay. so it's an opportunity missed to then do the tests then have the further conversations okay. so it's a good place to start to just practice some awareness of viewing things of oh this might be connected to something else okay and it's information that their doctor would want to know oh, so yeah let's go back to that the five um preventable causes that you're mm -hmm. talking about. It's called the, the fatal five. Fatal right? five, yeah. Okay. Um, so it's it's medical signs. Um, so, okay, let me start over. It's preventable disorders or diseases. So there's five of them that have been found to really be connected to the IDD population that the general okay. population do not have a decreased life expectancy from okay. um, because we have um, the verbal skills, we don't have the adaptive functioning gaps. So we have reasoning, language, those kinds of things. We have independent living skills. They might struggle with that. So these fatal five come up because we, the caregivers, 
miss the opportunity to notice that they're happening. Okay, cool. So they're pretty simple. They sound simple, okay. um, which is very sad because they're all preventable. And mm. I really like to point that out okay. um, because I don't want to scare caregivers that gotcha. um, your child or whoever you care for is going to pass away from a premature death. That is not what we're saying. Same. We're okay. saying in order to prevent these, some awareness is important. Yes. So things like aspiration, that's the first biggest one, constipation and bowel obstruction, dehydration, um, seizures and GERD. So those are the main ones. And we hear those and we're like, oh, like it's not, yeah, right? It doesn't feel as it. extreme, but when they're missed for 10 years and someone passes away at the age of 30, due to severe constipation because it went on for so long, right. that's when it becomes fatal. Got it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so those are the five that, that we should just have those conversations with the doctors with. Yes. Okay. You had mentioned training. You do community training. Mm -hmm. um, and these are some of the topics you discuss, right? Um, what else... What other topics do you have in your trainings that you have for the community? Oh, I do them so many different right. ones. No, you're because it, it's it's needed because a lot of um, different professionals, caregivers, all of those things, it's just a level of awareness and there's systematic barriers in place to where there's not a lot of training that's offered, especially free training. Okay. This training is completely free of cost for anyone that wants to attend. So it's, they don't have to be a client of emergence. They don't have to be a, they don't have to have Medicaid, Medicare. I will never ask for insurance information, nothing. Right. So anyone can come. So the types of trainings that um, we do, we go all over the spectrum, but the basics of IDD are a big one. So that's some of the items that I am showing here today. Okay. We, we do a lot of hands-on Thing. So the training isn't just reviewing a PowerPoint, LGBTQ and IDD, because that's a huge one that's missed, sexualization with people with IDD, because mm -hmm. IDD aren't just children, they're adults as well. And caregivers sometimes feel awkward or, well, they're not ready yet, when really it might be the caregiver that's not ready to have that conversation yet. So we teach that, we do lots of medical training, and also for people who have a higher level of need of support so i'm actually doing a training coming up on adaptive um, tools so for example people with developmental disabilities it might be very difficult to hold things because okay. the the functions of the hands the muscles in the hands can't do this or certain cups okay so everyone that actually attends those trainings i'm still working out but it's six to eight adaptive um tools that every attendant will get. Oh, nice, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. okay. And when we talk about the, the people who are attending, we're talking, it's open to, if I have a child who has IDD, if I'm a teacher, if I'm a police officer, if I'm a nurse, if I'm uh, a dentist. Yeah. Uh, anyone who, who should know um, more about the IDD population, correct? Yes, yeah, it's, um. thank you for pointing that out, because it's not just, I say the term caregiver, but, mm -hmm even professional staff or caregivers, because they might be in a facility with you, you might just have them eight hours a day, but or you might be a therapist that sees them once every, once a month, but you're still caring for that person. So it can be therapists, social workers, teachers, professors. I've um, taught at UTEP and El Paso Community College. I've been invited back to teach entire, um, huge coliseums yeah, of people there, yeah, awesome. multiple okay. times. So even if it's 
you are a director and you don't directly work with a client, but your staff does, I can come to their facilities or their schools, institutions, and provide information there as well. Okay, perfect. Now, before we run out of time, I want you to talk a little about some of these items. And in these trainings, she shows how these items are helpful, right? With yes. individuals with IDD. Give me a quick example. So people with IDD commonly, um, they're, so like we talked about the adaptive functioning. So if you have a language disorder and I'm just telling you a direction verbally, mm -hmm. but my brain is not capable of cognitively understanding and processing it quickly, a visual is probably the best place to go okay. instead of verbally saying it over and over again. So this is one of the examples. So these are just expectation cards. And so this, for example, is if you have someone that gets um, agitated, if you verbally ask, are you okay? Um, they can use this for yes and no, instead of having to verbally respond. So, and these cards are super cool. Just no thank you. So this is, you teach them how to use it. They can show it, but then there's also different ones for like if there's overstimulation, like it's too noisy. So if they, cause on average, the processing time for people on the spectrum is 30 seconds to two minutes for a verbal response but they can show this to you with, with uh, before the two minutes, before really? the processing time. Because the language part is what's the difficult part that's catching it. So if you do a visual, yeah. So we go into all of that. It's a and whole I'm training just dedicated. And this obviously helps with communication, but it helps, and cor correct me, with the frustration with yeah i mean it decreases frustration it decreases anxiety because think about how anxious you would feel in a classroom for example or at home knowing i need things but i can't say it because of there's something wrong with me right they and it takes the anxiety out of that because they can they're learning a skill so they have a gap in they have a deficit okay. and you're filling that gap with a tool that they can then use awesome so yeah and then so then we have okay. these teaching feelings all that different kind of stuff because this is a huge missed one for everyone i encourage this because how do it's very rare that a child is taught this is what anger feels like in your body gotcha. so as staff or caregivers we ask someone are you mad yeah and they might say no when they're throwing and punching their hands through the walls, but do they understand what the word mad feels like, what that means, right? Okay. So that's what this is. I do a whole training on emotional regulation. Nice. Super cool. And then this one is the medical journal that I recently, every attendant Received was provided one. one. And this is actually created specifically for people with intellectual disabilities. Okay. Yeah. So it's for parents. It, this thing is so super cool. I love it. So, so it tracks um, all of the different fatal five that we talked about. Right. For if there is concern, then they can chart it for two weeks at a time, one week at a time. They take this to the doctor with them. The doctor asks how much water have they actually had. You can't, you're not going to remember off the top of your head. Right. Well, you're like, well, let me pull this out. So the first three days, they, he did pretty good. And then he doesn't drink one sip of water in the past three days. He refused. So that will give the doctor somewhere to start of, well, it could Very be nice. aspiration. There could be something in his throat okay. or for staff, because it, when there's staff like a community Easter. living, for example. Oh, okay. So one staff, it's because it's your shift, will take a client to an appointment, right? Right they don't know what the doctor said last time because they weren't there it was another staff that transported them okay. so this follows the client so if a doctor says to the staff that's there well last time we talked about blah 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 what have you done within his environment to approach that they can all. open this as okay. opposed to saying i'm not sure i'll get back to you for an answer because yeah. then you're having 
you're forcing the client to go through another appointment because we as the caregivers weren't prepared. prepared. Yeah. Okay. So this was super cool. The parents yesterday, Love one it. of the moms, she teared up. She broke my heart. I was oh, like, oh, mama, she because it. she felt heard. And yes. that as a caregiver, very, very, very job, rare. Jordan. Yeah. Well, so I know you have more, but we're ready. Oh, for time. days. <laughs> But these trainings, you have them um, um, monthly, I believe. Even um, more often than that, okay. we do. So where can they go to get information yeah, on so, how to sign up for these free trainings? So the free trainings, I already we have one a month already set up and scheduled. That happens, every training happens in person and virtually. So okay. both options, because a lot of caregivers can't leave their home. Um, so they can go to emergence. Um, the regular website and then go to the IDD tab and then you can find me that way. My name is Jordan Wynn, just to repeat that. Okay. But then also I would like to give people my email so they can sure. personally, I like to make myself as accessible as Absolutely. possible. So my email is jwynn, so J-W-Y-N-N at ehnelpaso.org. Okay. And that is also immediate way to get me and then you don't have to go around Perfect. red tape and barriers well thank you for being accessible yeah. and providing this service to our community obviously needed and i'm sure really appreciated thank you all right thank you jordan and thank you for being with us we'll see you next time at Emergence Health Network, your behavioral health is our commitment. For more than 55 years, we have been serving our community, providing mental health programs, substance use treatments, assistance for our veterans, and 24-hour crisis care. This is us working for you. Thank you for letting us be mindful of your health. Brought to you by Emergence Health Network. We'll see you next time. The preceding program was a paid commercial, which has been paid for by the advertiser, whose products and or services are featured in this program.